You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Latest edition, the Royal Blue Podcast. As we look back on what has been uh, another memorable week at Goodison Park, plenty to, to talk about, and uh, could be some very big news um, on its way soon. I'm your host, Chris Beasley, joined by our Epson correspondent, um, Joe Thomas, by uh, Matt Jones, and by uh, our regular guest, um, Gavin Buckland. And of course, only one place to start. Um, Joe, it looks like Everton's managerial search could uh, be coming to a, a close in the coming hours. Certainly does, certainly does. And all roads point to Sean Dyche, which I think, you know, most of us probably at the beginning of this week, certainly in this office, the, the moment that we heard, the, well, the moment we got the inevitable news of Frank Lampard had been sacked, I think, you know, we all kind of worked on the basis that it would almost be Sean Dyche used to throw away. Obviously, it's been a little bit trickier than that. And, yeah. You know, emerged at five. Mashiri's man, Marcelo Bielsa, was was obviously heavily in the running to the point where he flew back, or flew to the UK from Brazil to be involved in talks. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it doesn't look like that's led to to him getting the job. So obviously, I think we have, we've seen this week how far advanced things can go and still go wrong. With Arno Danjuma uh, ended up not signing despite you know, almost everything having been done for his move from Villarreal before he then yeah. switched to. To Tottenham, but you know, again, where we are right now, it very much looks like Everton have their new manager, they have Frank Lampard's success, and it looks like that person is Sean Dyche. Yeah, I mean, Matt, if I can turn to you, obviously, when you're speaking early in the week, um, the rest of us, um, were saying we, we felt that Dyche was our preferred candidate, but you were very much in, in, in the Bielsa <laughs> camp, and I guess it's been a bit of a, a roller coaster for you because maybe only you know, earlier in the week, it might look like, um, He's gotten it getting the job, certainly when he, he flew in, like Joe said, from South America for the talks. Oh, yeah. I think I was enticed by our team playing fast-flowing, aggressive, yeah. pressing football um, without actually really thinking it through and thinking <laughs> about what these lads have done this year. Uh, yeah, do, do you know what? I, I put it on Twitter before. You know, I think I think Daesh is the, the sensible option. It's like it's like getting the last train home instead of going to Pop World, isn't it? It's, you know... <laughs> You, you know, you're not going to regret it in the morning. It feels like the safer option. It's probably better for you, but you'll always wonder what that mad night might have been like, and maybe that'll be what what Bielsa's a little bit like further down the line. But I mean, attracted to Bielsa is that I thought he could potentially be someone who who started us off on a full rebuild in terms of the right sort of profile of player, the right you know the right attitude, um, a way of playing that's exciting and engaging. Of course, that would have come with a lot of risks. Um, but as someone who's, you know, really liked him and, and followed his his career quite a bit, I was, like I said, a little bit enticed by the idea. But but Sean Dice is undoubtedly the the most sensible option. Um, I don't think it's a surefire guarantee that we're going to stay off by any means. I think there's obviously a lot of work to do in terms of the squad. Um, but I think he could potentially start a bit of a rebuild for us in, in a different way. I think he's going to be somebody that's going to come in and, and set standards for the players. That he's going to encourage the players to set standards of themselves and the teammates. And 
of course, there's going to be a lot of talk about style of football, defensive play, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, if, if a manager comes in and gets Everton playing aggressively, gets them playing direct, getting the ball forward quickly, and getting crossed into the box, they are some of the tropes I associate with with good Everton teams I've seen in, in my lifetime. Um, and maybe you know, Gav as well. You know, going back to the great Everton sides, maybe to, to a degree them. So I think it's a it's a sensible appointment. I don't think that. The approach has maybe been quite as much as a wild goose chase as, as recent years as well. I mean, you go back to last year and like I said about Tim Cale getting involved, everyone going down to London for some kind of mad final round of interviews. Um, it feels like they've had two targets. One of them was going to be a bit too complicated, so they've gone and got the other one boxed off, um, hopefully pretty quickly. So, yeah, I think it's been a bit more of a slicker process all round, and it seems like they've ended up with the right fella. Yeah. Gav, um, I had somebody... Um pointed out this week that uh, having a choice between Sean Dyche and Marcelo Bielsa is like going into a restaurant and uh, deciding between super ice cream. Um, <laughs> I suppose a lot of Everton uh, managerial searches have been as as weird and wonderful and as varied as that. But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the way it's ended up or what looks like, looks like going at this stage? I'm just trying to think who's the soup and the ice cream there, Chris, yeah. for the start. That's... I think Dyche is the soup. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Or or even 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 dice cream. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think as as seriously though, I think at the end of a difficult week, and it has been, and there's lots so much talk to stuff to talk about, is it sort of ended on a bit of a good good news story for me. Yeah. In that it's been a really difficult week, but the appointments or <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, sort of, I'd have a few bob on, hopefully not dice turn up at Spurs tomorrow as Conti's replacement events of early this week are to be repeated. Yeah. But seriously, it's it's a, it's an appointment that I think everybody appears to be happy with and content with yeah. um, as the safe option. As much as Bielsa attacks me in terms of the, the romance of it and bringing something completely different, is you get with Bielsa, it'll probably be... 20% chance of being 9 on 10 and 80% chance of 3 on 10, wouldn't it, really? And bit dice, you're open for a steady 6 or 7 on 10. And I think that that's the difference between the two candidates. I think Bielsa would have been an extraordinary appointment and, and a huge risk. It could have paid off, but may not have. And, and there's all sorts of reasons why Bielsa wouldn't take the job anyway, isn't it, really? I don't think he'd take the team halfway through the season. So dice for me, at the end of a difficult week, at a time when there's been a lot of turmoil, it does seem for once that not everybody, but the book of Evertonians agree on something which has to be applauded, to be fair. And, uh, you know, with some relief, I think. Yeah. I mean, Joe, uh, you and I were being questioned about this, like you say, from the moment that Frank Lampard was relieved of his um, duties. And we, and we both had come to that conclusion. We're not being clever in retrospect here. He, he was, uh, it was both our preferred candidate for what that's worth and I think this is the, the sensible option now for Everton we've got to remember very much in a precarious position at the moment yeah they've chosen common sense and, and pragmatism yeah. uh, I think at the minute the situation at Everton are in I think that's what they've got to do Sean Dyche just knows somebody who just knows the terrain like the back of his hand he knows what it's like operating in the you know the lower reaches of the Premier League table with a, a squad that's built on resources that are incomparable to those teams that are around him um, and so, you know, that's, unfortunately, that's the situation they have to find themselves in. And I think the reality is that whilst 
for obvious reasons, he'll get a fortnight period of grace because the next two games are going to be Arsenal league leaders, and then it's you know away at away at Anfield, which obviously you can't give any manager or any team grace going into that. We want to see hundred and fifty percent and taking that game as serious as we can, but you know. We also know that there's going to be very difficult games for yeah. this Everton side at the moment. But, yeah, he's somebody that comes in and you imagine will be able to... He'll know what he's doing right from word go. Obviously, he'll get in and he'll meet new people and new players and assess the place. But, you know, more than anything, I think he knows exactly the job that's at hand because it's the job that he's been doing for most of the past 10 years. And what Everton can't afford at the minute is a standing start. And I think there's a risk that they would get that with any other managerial appointments. Sean Dyche is the one person that offers them the opportunity to kind of have somebody that knows exactly the situation that he's dealing with and exactly what he needs to do to, to find success in that situation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he has gone down. We know that you know, Burnley also got relegated last season, although he, you know, they were going in that direction when he was sacked in yeah. April, hence his departure. But you know, in terms of the options that were available and the situation that Everton find themselves in, you know, it does seem to be the sensible option. Yeah. Well, back to you, Matt. I mean... We discussed obviously your enthusiasm initially for the prospect of Bielsa, but you, you, you seem to concur with the, the other guests uh, in that you're saying that this does feel like an, an appointment which will satisfy most Evertonians, and it's not he's not a candidate who a lot of people say well, I really didn't want that. Yeah, I think maybe six years ago now to when Everton were really struggling under Ronald Koeman. I remember Burnley came and beat us one 0 yeah, goal with 25 passes, and I think Kuma got sacked a, a couple of weeks um, later. And and Dice was being talked up as a successor to him then, yeah. Because Burnley were flying high in fifth or sixth in the league, and I think that was the year they went on to to get in the European places. So yeah. you think about then, and that was when his, his stock was highest. But I think you also go look at that team that played against us that day, and that Burnley side didn't really change much at all over the course of the next five or six years, and. I think he had to sort of deal with an aging side. They didn't really get, you know, much in terms of spending power. Something like Corne and, and Veghorst, you maybe maybe could have done a bit better with. But by and large, he had a lot of limited resources to work with and a, and a group of players that were, were getting older together. So I kind of understand why it went a bit stale for him there. But but yeah, I think I think fans in general have just become appreciative now to, to the situation that we're in. You know, there's, there's a lot of managers on the market at the moment who are available who are, who are high class like Thomas Tuchel and, and Mauricio Pochettino but unfortunately they're they're well out of Everton's reaches at the moment they are they are in, in another galaxy so I think it's it's been well appreciated that this is going to be the most sensible option and I think it's it's interesting you mentioned those first two games as well because when this search was was going on I was kind of thinking like they are a nightmare start for for a um a new manager so maybe to the point where I was thinking that they might keep Frank Lampard in for them to mm. to use a cricket term to be the night watchman for the for the next for the next fella um further down the line, but I think in in some senses it, it probably gives him a bit of time, doesn't it, to to get to know the squad, to set up a style that's going to be defensive that we're probably not going to move too far away from, and I think what those first two games will do as well is that it'll give him a, a great insight into the character of the players and the character of the squad, because they're going to be matches where Everton are going to knock off much of the ball, where they're going to be on the back foot, where they're going to be under pressure. I'm obviously going to be broadcast under, under huge scrutiny. And I think they'll they'll give him a, a great early insight into to what kind of characters he's got there. And if there's there's one thing we know about Sean Dyche, he is big on that that mental side. And he'll want people in his dressing room and in his team that are, that are ready to fight and aren't going to shirk. So 
I think it's while they're the hard games and you know they're going to be difficult for Everton to get anything from. I think they, they could be quite ideal for them early on to, to get a, a really good read on a squad. Gav, it'd be an interesting one because um, in what proved to be his, his last game in charge at, at Turf Moor last season, Sean Dyche revealed that his half-time team talk to his Burnley players have been uh, um, this lot don't know how to win, i.e. Everton, who were 2-1 up at the time. And and, and as, as he said, ended up losing that game um, 3-2. So, you know, we uh, talk about the ultimate poacher term gamekeeper. He's now got to find a solution to those um, possible mental um, deficiencies or issues within the squad. Yeah, he's not been proved wrong since, to be honest with you, yeah. quite, sad, quite sadly, has he? And that's the thing to me is, I was asked earlier on this week about how important the, the managerial appointment was, and I, I said it's important, but far more important is the players' reactions, isn't it? But it's it's within the players' gift, this, isn't it? You can bring Dyson, who's got loads of experience, as I say, Joe says he knows the, the sort of position we're in, how we, you know, what we need to do to get out of it. But it still boils down to players, doesn't it? Mm. And you know, it's it's got to it's, it's you know it's up to them to react and you know show that they are a team that's difficult to beat and knows how to win, which they haven't done. And and some of that I still think is outside the manager's control because this 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 decline has gone on far too long, isn't it? I mean, I still hear things about we've got a better squad than what they have points, but I was I was looking yesterday, I think. Our last 51 Premier League games, 40 points. Right. Yeah. That's that's a 30-point season, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that that's not a blip of where players perform well and, and all the, you know, like, say on the Cuban, when we had a decent season and then sort of went down in the pan in, in the space of a couple of months. This is a, a decline that's been going on for the best part of, well, what, 18 months? I don't know, since been September. September 2021, which is, what, 16 months ago? And so you can bring a manager in, and as I say, as much as I appreciate and value the the, the appointment of Dice, this is still all about the players. It's up to them to react, to show bottle, to show character. You know, and regardless of that, you know, have they got the ability? And, you know, so it's great that I think we all agree that Dice is probably the best appointment, but... The other side of the coin, and it's a big side of the coin, is the players have got to show and prove, show and prove that they can win games and prove them wrong. What he said in the dressing room and at Turf Moor, and that's that's the big the question mark about me. You know, my managers do come in and you say, "Oh, yeah, there's a good chance they're a good team. They just need to point them in the right direction." But this feels slightly different to me. This this feels like it's a, it's still. Sadly for us, it's still in the players' laps to 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 get out of this mess, and and they've shown very little evidence over the last sixteen months that they're capable of doing so. Regardless of how well Dice does his job, but hopefully he can get a reaction from them and can coach them better. So that, so it's it's still it's still up in the air for me, even though it's a good appointment. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Joe, I mean, probably uh, player issue number one, dare I say, when he he comes in is is, is Anthony Gordon, who... uh, Missing from training Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week. Um, Tuesday, we were told, were, was was um, an authorised absence. Um, the, the other two days haven't been accounted for. It's back in today, and um, uh, probably number one on on, on the entry, I, I would say, in terms of, of the squad. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it'd be interesting to see how much of a say Dice has in that. I mean, yeah. you, the way things are going, it's starting to look like those talks are, are quite advanced, really. And it may well be that Dice's first... Um, yeah, he's, 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 the first thing he's got to do is start planning for life after Anthony Gordon. Yeah. Um, because as we say, it, it looks like there's probably going to be some movement on that over the coming days. I think the, the clubs are closing in on 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 a on a, an agreed valuation for the player. And you know, although we haven't heard anything from Anthony, you know, it speaks volumes the fact that he didn't turn up for training those those two days that weren't authorized absences. So. So, yeah, I mean, it's a really, really interesting one of Anthony Gordon because, you know, he's flitted between perhaps being you know, one of the better players in the squad and then, and then you know, being a source of immense frustration. You know, I think, you know, he, he started the season well, particularly when you, you work on the basis that he didn't have a striker to play off. Yeah. Um, you know, he started the season as a false nine, so playing completely out of position. And, you know, he scored good goals against Brentford and Leeds, you know, important goals that earn points. And in a way, at Leeds, he... He almost pick up a couple of assists as well. I think he played through Nathan Patterson for a one-on-one. He, he shot straight at Ilan Meslier. And I think he played the ball through for Damari Gray's goal, which was just narrowly offside as well. You know, he is someone that could have an influence at this level. But obviously, we look at the post-World Cup situation and, and he really has struggled. He missed the first few games with illness, but he hasn't really featured since then. And, and, and Gordon and Lampard's relationship is very, very strong. You know, Teammates referred to them almost as like a father and son on the training ground. So for Gordon to have not been involved so much in Lampard's thinking over the recent weeks, you know, it, it does give an insight to how perhaps something might have changed a little bit there. Now, we know obviously Everton, it might be due to the fact that Everton changed formation. They kind of, after a little bit of success with the 5-3-2 in Man- against Manchester City, where they got the point, and then against Manchester United, where they used the same formation and they were competitive throughout. Obviously, that made it harder to fit Gordon into the system. And then what also did for him is the fact that in fairness, Damari Gray has actually hit a bit of form post-World Cup. I know Everton as a squad have gone backwards, but Damari Gray has be- had become more influential. But for Lampard to not even have turned to Anthony Gordon on, on Saturday afternoon, I mean, you know, Everton were 2-0 down at half-time to West Ham, so they were chasing a match that they needed to get something from for the entirety of the second half. Lampard didn't turn to, you know, the brightest attacking talent that he had on the bench. Yes. Yeah, probably speaks volumes. The last question, the last question that Lampard got asked by the press as, as Everton manager was was whether or not he would shed light on the situation with Gordon amid him not having got on the pitch against yeah. West Ham and against um, the backdrop of the reported interest by Newcastle. And, you know, Lampard declined the opportunity to do yeah. so. So so I think it's fair to say that, you know, the situation has probably been brewing from since before Lampard's time. But whether or not he would have got this, he would have got this severe... Had Lampard stayed on, we 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 will never know. But 
it's it's looking increasingly likely that, that there's a deal that might be done there. So you know, Daesh will. You know, not only does he not only does he arrive at a club that felt that they he arrives at a club that are essentially two wingers down on where they thought they would be a week ago because a week ago, or you know, albeit with Lampard's departure imminent, they thought they'd have Arno Danjima as their first January transfer window, and the problems with Gordon hadn't reached the extent that they have. Well. You know, there's every chance now Sean Dice arrives at Finch Farm on Monday morning for his first training session. Anthony Gordon isn't there because he's no longer an Everton player or is about to no longer be an Everton player. And obviously we know that Dan Juma isn't going to be there because he moved to Tottenham yeah. instead. Yeah. Matt, what are your thoughts on the, the week Anthony Gordon has had? Yeah, I mean, it's you don't want to go too yeah. hard on him, do you? Because you don't really know the circumstances behind it. Of course, we know that he, he didn't turn up for, for training and that in itself is is not a good look, and I think rightfully a lot of Evertonians have, you know, have seen the backside over that a little bit. Um, especially you know, I think it was pointed out on social media, wasn't it, that a player who he said was his idol in Leighton Baines has been taking training this week. So if he has sort of spewed it and not gone into training without permission, uh, when someone like Baines is there, maybe that does show a bit of a a lack of respect. But I, if everything, you know, the, the latest reports I've seen have been 45 million, a deal that, that could reach up to that. I think that's an amazing deal for Everton, being being brutally honest. I think that kind of money for a player of that age indicates someone who is sort of guaranteed and, and set for, for superstardom. And while we've seen it from Andy Gordon in, in flashes, um, I don't think we've seen it consistently enough for for him to to be commanding that kind of money. Um, and listen, you know, it it seems as though Evertonians are all saying, you know, 45, 50 million, yes, please, and rubbing their hands together. And like all these other clubs like Spurs and Newcastle and Chelsea are looking at me Gordon and going, well, he's a really good young prospect who we're willing to pay big money for. So maybe in the future, it'll turn out that we were all wrong and, and they were right to, to want to have kind of money. But someone asked me the other day, what, what was, what's Anthony Gordon's best moment in an Everton shirt? And I, and I really had to think about it. I, I, I really had to think about uh, for, for a really good moment. And you probably go back to, to those goals that Joe mentioned earlier in the season at Leeds and Brentford, but there haven't really been many. You know, I, I remember like a bit remember cheering him on in games when he closed down fullbacks or or you know mm-hmm. chased down the goalkeeper. Where my head goes to when I think about Anthony Gordon and and what he's done. And, and listen, he, he played his part last season in, in keeping us up. And I think that was a weight that weighed heavily on him, both mentally and physically. But £45 million, pounds, I think, is is a huge amount of money for a player that's, that's only shown in flashes for me. Um, I suppose the only the only thing now is that it's it's only a good deal for Everton if they can get players in in the next three days. And I suppose yet yeah, it's only today they've settled on a manager they want. And they had two yeah. choices who had wildly different styles. So you couldn't really go for the same target for each manager. And it's obviously the weekend, there's the FA Cup games um, and teams know that we're desperate and teams know that we're, we're pretty skinned. So I don't think by any means it means that we're going to go and sign some amazing wingers all of a sudden and, and fly up the table. It's, it's going to be difficult. But if you're looking at that deal in isolation, I think that's a remarkable amount of money. It's a remarkable amount of money for a player who's only shown it in very small glimpses for me. Yeah. Um, Gav, I mean, some people have pointed out that... Um, the idea of a move to Newcastle might um, appeal to Anthony because he'd get away from the, the goldfish ball of um, being in Liverpool. Well, I'm not too sure going up to Newcastle um, cures that um, particular issue. Obviously, it's not his home city anymore, but you now very much, I think, Rude Hullet himself had uh, 
use that phrase yeah. about Newcastle and the goldfish. But, but um, do you think it's a smart move for Evan if, if, if Anthony does go for that kind of money? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've spoken before on the pod about, I think one of our failings has been in the transfer market is not only buying the wrong players, but not getting rid of our assets at the optimum moment. Yeah. You know what I think I say about you know, the best time to sell a player is 12 months before it's too late. And yeah. I think we're guilty, there's probably four or five players in the squad that we've been guilty of of doing that or not doing that with. And, and I felt in the summer that Gordon was going to be one of them. But we'd, out of uh, out of nowhere, really, this this has come in. I think probably because of the the flux within the club, we appear to get another opportunity to 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 get money for him, and, and we should be opening it with, you know, putting out open arms to Newcastle. To be honest with you, I mean, I'd probably settle for a lot more, <laughs> a lot less than what they're offering. Uh, to be fair. Because I just don't care. Nobody's listening in the northeast now. Yeah, well, I'm sure the pretty sharp up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Hall's a subscriber to Royal Blue, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big Evertonian, isn't he? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, get him on. I think, but, but yeah. I just think that shows you what a good deal if if it's been offered in, in that amount. And this week, it just it sort of kept under the radar with all the other, you know, in the, all the other stuff going on. I think this is appalling behaviour. Yeah, from if, Gordon. If yeah, we were to do this in the workplace, we'd be sanctioned, wouldn't we, by our managers and put on their carpeted and given all sorts of warnings. And and I know what Matt's saying; you don't know the full story and stuff. I get that completely, but this is just dreadful. You know, this is just just sticking two fingers up to the club, as far as I'm concerned, and the fans. If if taking on face value, and and good riddance if he goes, and you know that these have been. Days away from the club that have not been agreed, so and I'll lose no sleep off of him going. And if he, you know, goldfish boats are what a shark infested swimming mm-hmm. pool perhaps in the northeast. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's 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 left a bad taste in my mouth. This and I, yeah. as many people have said, if you're his agent, you've got to be thinking: mm, is this the right sort of behaviour? I should be encouraging with my my clients. I'm not so sure it is, and. Um, Shows you once again that different rules apply to football than to the rest of life, don't they? Really, yeah. as the other panelists have said, Joe, um, you know, we, we don't know the, the full extent of, of this at this, this moment in time. I know the first day of obviously was, was authorized, but just smack in a certain way of um, like knowing that, that the regular teacher's not in today and uh, not turning up for the, uh, the classroom or some, something like that. But um, as you said um, to me this week, it's almost like for all the struggles on the field and the poor results on the Lampard. In many ways, he was holding a lot of things together, it would seem. Yeah, I think one of the things that we're going to probably see over the next few days, maybe the next few weeks, we've seen it in the last week already, is, is kind of, you know, Everton is, is a club in crisis. And, you know, Pitley wrote this, but, you know, it feels like a broken club at the minute, certainly from the outside looking in. Now, obviously, the form book meant that Lampard had to go. You know, yeah. you know one win in 14, you know, four consecutive home defeats, Losses to bottom three sides, Wolves, Southampton, West Ham, since the World Cup break and the performances that have gone along with them meant that he had to go. But it'd be interesting to see just how important he was to kind of just keeping the whole thing, the whole body of Everton alive in the first place. You know, and you know, was he the glue that was just about keeping the whole thing from completely collapsing? Because... 
you know, when you look at it, you you look at obviously had a good relationship with Kevin Farwell, you had a good relationship with the board. The fans hadn't turned on him. You know, I think most accept that it was the right time for him to go. But you know, it's certainly the case that they accepted that he was probably the victim of the problems that he he inherited. Yeah. And you look on the pitch, obviously he got on well with a lot of those players. You know, as we've alluded to already, it felt like the Anthony Gordon situation might have been brewing before Lampard's departure. But might might it have led to such open acts of defiance as they appear at the minute this week if Lampard mm-hmm. was still in charge? Possibly not. Player after player of the summer told us how important Frank Lampard was in their decisions to come to yeah. Merseyside in the first place. We know that Alan Danjuma was another person who had you know, their head turned by the prospect of working with Frank Lampard. And it's probably not too difficult to imagine the fact that he changed his mind partially on the basis that the person that had wooed him to L4 then departed and he didn't know who he was going to work for. Yeah. So in many ways, you know, part of me just kind of fears that the Lampard might have been almost like the only good thing left there. You know, Everton don't have any money in the transfer market, but they at least had some pull whilst Frank Lampard was there. You know, where they are in the next few days is going to be interesting, albeit if they did sell Gordon and, and one of the, the the benefits of selling Gordon is you'd imagine it would give them some cash to then go and do some business, which which might leave them in a slightly stronger position at, at the end of the window. But, you know, I think over the next few days and next few weeks, we'll get a sense as to just how important Lampard was to the whole machine. As I say, the results meant that he had to go. And there are lots of things outside his, his, his control and sphere of influence that have suggested that, the club is a bit of a mess at the minute. You've only got to look at the the various interviews and pieces that have been done. Everyone from you know from Graham Sharp to Fire Mashiri to Kier have been having their sayings and all sorts, haven't they? So I do I do wonder that a little bit. I do wonder if if if, if um, for all the for all the struggles on the pitch, whether Lampard was actually the only thing that was holding anything together at all at the club and. and yeah, that's probably going to be Daish's first um, your first job, really, trying to see just the full state of the mess that he's inherited and what he can influence and how he can do so. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I mean, Gav, you said that, you know, Gordon would be a savvy deal, but I guess the issue, of course, is with just a little over 48 hours to go, probably by the time, if that deal is completed, Evan um, don't have a great amount of time to to bring in those um, those potential new faces. And let's say, even before any of this started, they were, we understand they were looking at bringing in two attacking players this month. They've had their four games this month, four defeats. Um, so we're, we're barely two days to go by the time they probably formalise a, a deal. It's not much time at all to, to bring in uh, new faces. Yeah, before before I answer that, just to pick yeah. up Joe's point about whether Frank's the glue, there's a precedent there when Howard went halfway through the 93-94 season 
I mean, how was resigned, but there was talk that Howard might might be getting the sack because we were near the bottom of the table, we weren't doing anything. And as soon as Mike Walker came in, it was quite clear that Howard had been keeping the club together. Yeah. You know, because of his experience, his skills as a manager, though he was doing poorly, it was quite clear that, you know, that the players weren't good enough and so on. And, you know, there's lots of stuff behind the scenes. And that, that all came to... Uh, like when Mike Walker came in, hopefully that won't come to light with, with Dice. Um, but there is a there's a lesson in history there. That sometimes, sometimes even if you perform poorly, you look well, at it. Sorry, to be fair, Gavin, it probably set in from the moment Howard went, didn't it? Because they had that rotten run under Jimmy Gabriel's Jimmy Gabriel got six on the bounce, yeah, six yeah. on the bounce after Howard went. Now yeah. we're not going to do six on the bounce now, hopefully. So yeah, we'll just yeah. put that one to bed. No, we could. It could be a there or thereabouts. Eight out of nine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we, that we deteriorated, hadn't it, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Is, you know, so I'm going off top topic there, but yeah. just to prove Joe's point, yeah. I think that, you know, there is an element of truth possibly in that. Yeah, with going back to your question, um, now, well, I, I would, you would hope that they've had targets to look at and, you know, they're not going to start looking, you know, Sunday. That they look out now as soon as they, the, the Gordon... You know, if there is a fee for gold and that's paid, you know, and a deal done before the transfer window closes, that they can use the money. The other thing as well is, they, by the way, we're still, you know, up to our neck in it in terms of finances and, you know, dare I say, financial fair play. So it'd be interesting to see how much of that money will be uh, available. Um, you'd like to think quite a bit given our circumstances, but I, I just, I just think it's just struck me this week, isn't it? You know, and it answers your question, Chris, is at a time when the director of football and the staff should be looking for players, we're looking for a manager, aren't we? Yeah, again, second weekend. That, so that's the thing, isn't it? On not, is it? Not only is it this, like, sort of issue of, oh, you know, sacking a manager and bringing the new one in and the targets change and stuff like this. It's just the time spent and the, the emotional and physical time spent looking for a manager. And the design and experience of it, when we should be looking for players, yeah, and 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 that, that's the damaging thing, I think, for me, in all of this. And 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 as you say, we've only left ourselves a couple of days, three or four days to, to possibly get a couple of a couple in. Um, where we get players in, I would would imagine we're looking at forward players, aren't we, on, on the basis that you would hope that they should be able to at least get the defence in some sort of work in order. Yeah, well, that was another thing with Bielsa, wasn't it? Talk of supposedly wanting more pace in, in, at the back, but uh, yeah, um, you would think that certainly that, that was two attacking players before Gordon had even gone, wasn't it? So who who knows? Dare say that a third face might be, but I don't know how you do it in this short Space of time, um, Joe, and uh, just like we said, so much to, to talk about. Um, you mentioned it already. Um, Farhad Mashiri, he's been a, a chatty man again, hasn't he? Um, uh, sitting down a bit of a different sort of environment than the than last time with uh, with his old pal Jim White. You know, it was it was a, a much more, should we say, um, official sort of um, engagement and um, 25 minutes worth, wasn't it? Um, sat down with, with the owner. Yeah, well, um, he's certainly been very visible, more visible than usual this this, this week. Uh, as as far obviously attended his very first game <laughs> of Lampard's Everton reign, first and last in the on on the Saturday, which again you know made that a, a, a talking point 
you know, as well as what was going on on the pitch, it made a talking point off the pitch. And, you know, obviously this, you know, nearly seven days ago now, we had the, the hoo-ha after where he seemed to suggest that it wouldn't be his decision no. if if Lampard was to stay or go. We could probably spend hours trying to unpick what he meant by that, you know, particularly coming a week after he'd gone on TalkSport and suggested that fans had driven out most of the other managers. Um but, you know, maybe we give him the benefit of the doubt and say he was referring to the strategic review and the cultural reset at Everton that meant that the big decisions would be joint decisions. Uh, might, yeah, be giving him, might be giving him more of the benefit of the doubt than, than, than deserve. But, but I suppose, you know, so obviously, you know, after that, we then had on Tuesday. I just look back on Tuesday yeah. and then just think, I, I just don't even... You were officially off that day. I, I, I just don't even know where, 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 where yeah. to begin. It's like we, we had the Arn... We obviously, Rampart had gone. We had the Arn... Dan Juma, you know, the most extraordinary story of this year's transfer window. And then just as it was quieting down, we had the Guardian reporting that Fahad Mashiri put up the club up for sale. And yeah. we had the, the club put out the half an hour, half an hour video that had been filmed the Thursday night before. So like a couple of days before West Ham at Farhad Mashiri's North London home with the, the fan advisory board, where he basically reaffirmed his commitment to the club and his faith in the board. And then... You know, just to make sure that we were completely up to date, we, you know, we had confirmation from yes. Farhad himself that, contrary to the, the Guardian report from a couple of hours earlier, um, the situation remained the same and he still was adamant that the club was not for sale. So, obviously, you know, I think where where everybody sits in this, I think, is for each and every listener and, and reader to decide. Yeah. You know, I don't think the speculation is necessarily going to go away, but... You know, we've, we've heard a lot from Farhad this month, or in the past 10 days anyway. Um, you know, still kind of have a debate about whether it's through the right channels and done in the right way. But I thought the fan advisory board thing was it was um, it was edited quite interestingly. Mm-hmm. But but the, the, but the fact that the fan advisory board was able to put some of the most pertinent questions of the, that the fans currently have after their series of meetings to, to collect those. I they were able to put them to the owner and the owner was willing to, to engage in that process. I, I do think it's a positive thing. So, yeah. you know, obviously it's it's a conversation that's happened as the house is burning down around everybody. But, um, but you know, it was interesting nonetheless. It was just interesting to get a little bit more insight into, you know, how Mashiri is thinking and to do so from, um, you know, from a platform that wasn't talk sport, which is just where, yeah. where Everton's dirty laundry seems to be aired of, uh, out at the minute. And, and was again on Wednesday, even though that was a quiet today in terms of how uh, recent weeks yeah. have, have unfolded. Yeah. Okay. Joe, Joe used the analogy there, the house burning down. And some people have actually compared Farhard's uh, latest interview with um, with um, Tom Hicks's fireside chat with a, a very own uh, Alan Myers. Um, well, I say a very own, but um, when he was in, when in cha- a charge across um, the park there, I mean, did you did you watch that um, twenty five uh, minute? Um, I've, I've read I've read your very help. I've not seen it, but I've read the Deco's very helpful transcript. I mean, what did you make of? Um, it's, it's very, I mean, yeah, I tell you what. Have you heard Alan talk about that far side chat? By the way, it's an interesting story in itself. Okay, um, but I, I mean, I, it's, it's one of these things. Damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. You know, and and I found it. I found the most important bit, well, a couple of bits, is he's, Farhad's always going to come out and support the board, isn't he? He's not going to throw his own board under a bus, is he, through public pressure? And, you know, I think what he said was fair enough there. I've not got a problem with that. I'd expect him to say it. And as I say, I, I 
this thing about the club always being for sale, not for sale, is it goes back to what I was saying before. I always said this is that it doesn't actually mean you wouldn't sell it if the right price came around. And I'd be very surprised if there isn't, you know, in finance and houses and banks in the Middle East and New York, a nice little bossy portfolio, you know, detailing what Everton football clubs about, new stadium and all that to sign and sack either a buyer or an investor. So I, I, I that doesn't really surprise me either. Um, what I thought was the most important, uh, the, 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 the most curious bit, was recruitment. Yeah. When he was talking about if the chairman signs, I sign, and we get we get um, we get references of people who know players and and stuff. And I've just I did it, I just the reason I was looking down there it was I was looking at the, you know the echoes um, transcript and and he starts talking about like why it's not recruitment's not worked and he says expressed the surprise that we've had like you know Brands and is a you know top European director and then he goes on to say. I think the reasons are that some of the deficiencies, the failures. I think the reasons are that some of the deficiencies in various departments of football management were not addressed. Yeah, I found that very interesting. What's he talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What What did he mean by that statement? Is he talking about scouting? Is he talking about medical departments, yeah. data teams who who analyze data? You know, all, all that type of stuff, the board itself. I don't know. I just found I found that a very, very strange statement to make in a yeah. in a in an interview where he quite rightly was trying to defend his own position and, and the people who work for him. It was what does that mean, Farad? And I think also as well, because the way the interview was structured, you couldn't really ask a follow-up question. Because if you'd have said that to me, yeah. I would have said, Farad, you just mentioned there about deficiencies in the football management. Mm. Can you elaborate that on for the supporters? I just found that a strange statement. Uh, probably, as we well know, it's probably an, you know, an element of truth in that. But I, 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 that governance around recruitment, I thought, was really, really interesting. Um, you know, for, for what he was saying about I signing off with the chairman signs it off, which is quite interesting in itself. But yeah, yeah, the recruitment thing was was really. Really enlightening, you know, all the other stuff I, I was not surprised he, he said. Yeah. I think this is probably the right point for, for us to sign off for the <laughs> week. Um, like I said, uh, we're expecting um, the Sean Dyche um, appointment to be confirmed within the, the next 24 hours. And then I, I guess it's, it's all systems go. It'll be a, a busy weekend for everyone at um, Everton Football Club. And obviously, we've got the transfer deadline coming up on Tuesday. So it'll be. Uh, I would imagine plenty of activity uh, going on then, but um, I've been your host, Chris Beasley. I've been joined by Matt Jones, Gavin Buckland and uh, Joel Thomas. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.